Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. Whenever you go against a team of their caliber, it's always going to be um, high energy, high expectations. And when you have a fan base like they have, and from what we've heard, a night whiteout game is going to be amazing as well. Oh, Captain, my new captain, Luke Lachey, couldn't have introduced our rundown for today's show any better. Welcome to another episode of Eye on the Hawks. Our guest this week, I'm sure well-remembered by fans of a certain generation, Dan Dickel, a former Iowa linebacker, defensive end, played a few seasons in the league, and a salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. Dan, we appreciate you joining us for today's episode of Eye on the Hawks. Um, we want to get your analysis after the first few games. First of all, for this year's Hawkeye team, kind of grade this team. How do you feel like you've seen this team out there on the field? Well, I think obviously with a new quarterback uh, and uh, a few other new players, uh, they are going through some growing pains, but I'm real pleased with what I've seen. They, I think they uh, are going to have a good season. Uh, you're a defensive guy. I mean, you've <laughs> seen that defense out there. Is this kind of what you come to expect out of them? Obviously, another really dominant defensive presence. Oh, certainly. Uh, that's that's. I, I love the <laughs> Iowa's defense. Uh, I, it would have been fun to play for a group like that, and uh, yeah, they seem to just keep doing it year after year. Yeah, uh, under Parker, I mean, these guys just produce results every year. Well, you heard Luke refer to the whiteout. Over 106,000 Penn State fans at Beaver Stadium. Whiteout to the gills, a college football atmosphere you have to see to believe, and the Hawkeyes are happy to take on this challenge. I really like night games. Uh, it's just different energy levels. Just everybody's a lot more bought in and a lot more... Uh, a lot more excited to be there. So I don't know what it is that changes, but um, it's it's always a different atmosphere when you play at night. We've been talking about it this whole week, like just loving how it's going to be so loud in there, the whiteout game. We just like, it feels, it's going to be really cool to go there and play in that type of atmosphere. Like uh, we like that they even booked that game for us to do that. So we're pretty excited for that. Of course, it's a historic game and for them, uh, it's going to be great atmosphere for us. We look forward to the challenge. In the words of Michael Jackson, don't matter if you're black or white. Penn State has the white out, and I will be taking on a new look with black pants instead of the traditional white on gold. Some fresh drip for Iowa's biggest game of the season. I'm very excited. Uh, we're going to look good. And once again, we're going to play good. <laughs> yeah, new look is definitely, definitely cool, you know, changing it up a little bit, make you feel good, you know, like Deion says, feel good, play good. So we're going to, we like, we like to feel that way. I think it's going to help us a little bit in the department, just having a little more swagger to us. It's a good time to remind you that this game kicks off at 6.30 on CBS, Iowa's first game on the Columbia Broadcasting System in 26 years when Iowa played Arizona State in the Sun Bowl in 1997. It's the first regular season game of the Hawkeyes will play on CBS since 1986, that's the year I was born, against Michigan. Now, Dan, it's a primetime game in a hostile environment, a whiteout. How do you think that Iowa will respond to a really hostile environment on the road? Well, they responded well at Iowa State, so yeah. I, I'm assuming that you know that 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 was a good game to have before uh, Penn State, and they'll do fine. How much does that Western Michigan game really help these guys out? Having a game where you know they had to play from behind in that one, and coming out and being able to play with a little adversity, and now they have to respond to that. Yeah, I, th I think that's a positive. You know, they. Um, I just think their first three games have prepared them well for the Big Ten, and obviously. Sometimes you may not want to hit somebody at the level of Penn State because they were one of the top teams in the country. But uh, 
I'm sure they'll, they'll put, in, put out a good performance. Looking ahead at Iowa's schedule, I mean, this Penn State game is probably going to be their toughest challenge of the regular season. Do you think that that plays to their advantage, having that tough game this early in the season, or would they rather be playing that game down the road? That's a good question. I, I think now is fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, each week uh, it, it's just a, it's a new game, and you still have to give your full best effort every week. So whether it's early or late, mm -hmm. just take them as they come. Got to go out there and play the game still. Well, three of Iowa's top four offensive playmakers are out of the lineup this weekend. Titan Luke Lachey will be out for likely the entire season. He had surgery this week after suffering a gruesome injury on Saturday. He's Iowa's leading receiver through three games, and the injury is weighing heavy right now on the hearts of his teammates. I see everyone just working extra hard now knowing that Luke's out. We know we want to get Luke back as soon as possible and win games while Luke is out. Losing Luke was a really big factor for the offense, of course, but, you know, we, got, we have dudes that can step up and, you know, it's just next man in at this point. That's my guy. He's my roommate. So, uh, yeah, he, he's going to be a groomsman at my wedding. So we're a good buddy. So obviously it was, you know, just tough to see him go down like that. And I know he's excited for me and I, I got his back through all this. I'll probably have to be uh, taking him to the facility in the early morning to get rehab and stuff. So we're good buddies and, you know, I just want to do anything I can to support him and be there for him. Well, Luke's future chauffeur, you just heard from him, that's Steven Stilianos. He's one of the number of tight ends who can fill in for Luke. Michigan transfer Eric All started every game along with Lachey. Sophomore Addison Estranga waiting for his opportunity as well, but Stilianos will likely be seeing a lot more targets. His opportunity just happens to come as Iowa goes into its biggest game of the season. I feel like once I hit someone for the first time, the nerves will be gone. But, uh, you know, th this is what you train for. Um, you have to prepare every game like you're going to be thrown in there just because you never know what's going to happen. Starting this spring, we started to see that. Like he felt, felt like, hey, I'm getting this a little bit. And I think I understand what they're asking me to do. And uh, I thought he did a really nice job Saturday. And he'll, he'll get more, more snaps now as we move forward. This is my sixth year of college football. So I am, I am older. It's not like I'm an 18-year-old kid getting thrown in there. But... Uh, I mean, th this is what you work for, and uh, you know, I've put in tons of hours. And just as a kid, this is all you can dream of. So you just got to be ready um, when your when your number's called. So I think that's what that's just my mindset going into it. Dan Duckel still here with us on Eye on the Hawks. Tight end Dan is one of the most important positions in this Iowa offense. Uh, can they weather this storm now that they're going to be dealing without Luke Lachey in the lineup? I was real impressed with the guys that came in uh, this last week. Uh, they definitely have a great. Uh, depth uh, there at tight end and uh, it's always been Iowa's philosophy next guy in and mm -hmm. keep the job going and I, I'm sure they'll do fine. Mm -hmm. Is there any time back when you were playing for the Hawkeyes in the early 70s that you had anything similar happen where a star player goes down and somebody else kind of had to step in for him? <clears throat> well you're asking me to remember a long ways back. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I actually remember that that's how I got my opportunity mm -hmm. when I was a sophomore the defensive end ahead of me was hurt and I got my opportunity, and they moved him to tight end the next year. Is that right? So, so I, um, yeah, you, you just, uh, you know, as a player, uh, you practice to play, and so you better be ready to go when your, your time is up. Who was your first opponent again? Was it in a game like a Penn State type of game? I, I feel like uh, it was a Big Ten opponent. Okay. I, Wisconsin, Indiana, I don't know, someone like that. Yeah. W would you have any advice for somebody like Steven Stilianos, who's going out there for his first start against a team like Penn State, uh, you know, taking him kind of back to what you experienced in that time? Mm -hmm. What would you say to him? 
I would just say uh, you play football because it's been fun and go out and have a great time. Yeah, exactly. Well, Lachey isn't the only missing piece. Iowa will be without two of their top two running backs on the depth chart. Kirk Ferentz confirmed this week that Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson are both out for lower leg injuries. Sounds like they will be back at some point this year, but it's unclear exactly when. Both uh, Jazz and um, Caleb won't be available this week, so... We'll evaluate that with each week as we go forward, but they're uh, both going to be out Saturday, so we'll go with the guys that we finished up with the other day. No, I don't feel no pressure. I mean, I've been here before, done this. I mean, I'm prepared hard, watch film, study, not prepared. I believe in my ability and I'm very confident in myself. We just heard there from LaShawn Williams, who filled in a lot there this last Saturday, but even with Caleb, with Jazz out of the lineup, um, is that going to hurt Iowa's chances, you feel like, against Penn State? Well, it looked like Iowa's depth in the running back room also <laughs> was really good. I, I was very impressed with those young guys that kept coming in. I think the big improvement, though, obviously, is the offensive line. Mm -hmm. They're doing a better job. They've, they've drawn from that first game. And, uh, you know, they make some holes and just let that back run. Yeah, I mean, that have you do you remember seeing an Iowa game like that where there were so many running backs on display because you know their main two guys are out and there's still you know seems like three four five other running backs coming in and just everybody just running easily out there yeah I, I agree it, it, there was a lot of guys that were uh, performing well and you know you had to have your uh, out to check the numbers and the names and where they're from and what year and <laughs> you know, it's kind of fun yeah uh it, you you've spent some time coaching at the at the high school level at least um can you say especially how how big and how important that is to have a good offensive line maybe it seems like basics right now but having a good o-line like they have at iowa has to be so crucial for the run game well no doubt uh in the game now you know it's changed over the years it's, it's a lot more pass oriented than it used to be but uh and so offensive linemen have to be <laughs> too good at pass blocking and run blocking. But uh, there's no doubt I, all the best teams I had had good <laughs> offensive lines. And I, I would say that uh, that's still the key today. <laughs> This Penn State-Iowa series has been back and forth since Kirk Ferentz took over. The Nittany Lions have won 17 of 32 meetings overall, but it's tied 11-11 since they joined the Big Ten in 1993. Hawkeyes actually have a winning record in Happy Valley all-time, and Ferentz is 10-8 against them. The last time they played was in 2021 when the number three Hawkeyes came back to put fourth-ranked Penn State 23-20 with a Nico Ragaini touchdown with six minutes left in the game. The Hawkeye defense... Sealed that win. Another classic Iowa-Penn State matchup in the Kirk Ferentz era in Kinnick 15 years ago when an undefeated and third-ranked Nittany Lions came to Iowa City. Last-second field goal from Daniel Murray gave the Hawkeyes the upset victory. Now Mitch Fick spoke with Daniel this week about the kick and the feelings heading into that game in 2008. Well, take me back to, to that 2008 season going into Penn State. You guys are 5-4. and four. You and Trent Mossbrook have kind of been back and forth in the, in the kicking competition. I remember that year. Just What do you guys remember about just going into that game? They're undefeated. They're ranked third in the country. What was the the feeling uh, welcoming the Nittany Lions into Kinnick that day? And, you know, I think we were just finally starting to hit our stride a little bit when, when looking back at that year. You know, the record didn't exactly show it, but we were in a lot of the games and we were really trying to kind of just starting to turn the corner on all that stuff. And so from a team perspective, you know, I think we were just starting to hit some of that strides that then led into the next year 
um, into the Orange Bowl year and things like that. So it was kind of a, a unique moment there that kind of, I think, was that tipping point um, to get us pushed over there. And from my perspective or my lens of it, you know, starting the year, obviously, in competition with Trent and trying to get the starting job. And, and you know, they went with his direction. And, and I'd say probably three to four games before Penn State, I finally started really playing consistently and kicking consistently and really kind of showed on the practice field. Um, and then as they went to the game, I can't remember if it was that game or the game before that I had started taking the longer field goals and, and kickoffs and stuff like that. So going into the kick, you know, I was um, as they're marching down the field, I'm warming up. And then when they got inside, I think it was the 30-yard line, it was supposed to go to Trent. And then that's when the uh, our kicking coach at the time, uh, Lester, came down and said, basically, you're going to take it no matter what. Uh, and, and not sure exactly who made that call, but then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now it's really game time. Uh, trying to trying to focus yourself for that, knowing that it's pretty much going to come down to it. And I still laugh looking back at the kick because naturally I kind of have a draw or a slight um, hook on my kicks, and I, so I prefer to hit from the left hash so I can kind of fade it in. And so they asked, "Where do you want to kick it?" And I said, "Left to to middle." And they put it on the right hash, like my least favorite hash of kicking. Um, and, and so I look back and just kind of laugh. You know, sometimes things just happen the way they're supposed to happen whether you had them planned or not. And so you, that's kind of the fun part looking back is, you know, you kind of keep your head up and keep pushing through um, some of the tough times because things sometimes don't always go your way. Um, and you can either kind of get stuck in the moment or try and figure your way out um, and keep and keep pushing and was able to, to kind of set myself up for that moment. Dan, you've watched a lot of football games in your day, especially those Iowa Hawkeyes. Do you remember that game in 2008, the Daniel Murray kick? I don't know if you were there at the stadium, or you remember where you were when that game happened? Uh, probably in front of the TV, but uh, <laughs> I do remember it, and that, that was fun. Yeah. That was fun. Um, I'd like to hear about, a little bit more about some of your own experience against that Penn State team. Um, you would have played them at, at least at least one game out there in Happy Valley. I think you played mm -hmm. them at least three years in college. Uh, tell me what you saw out of that Penn State team going back to the early 1970s. Well, believe it or not, Joe Paterno was the head coach, a young guy, and uh, they had great teams in and uh, have carried on that tradition, that's for sure. Uh, I, what I remember was uh, the airport was like a long trip to State College, and we had a, um, a running back, the name was Phil Heyman, when we were there, and he suffered a neck injury, and um, they took him to the hospital, um, brought him back, he rode that long bus trip, came back to campus for a day having problems and they took another x-ray and found that he had broken his neck and any jolt or anything would have, uh, could have easily killed him. Hmm. He ended up uh, not being able to play anymore but he was a fantastic running back for us and so, you know, something sad like that's kind of what sticks out in my mind. Really? Yeah. About that trip other than the fact that it was a close game, and it was right at the end, and they came down and scored on us and uh, to win the game, but we played them tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it takes, and that's what Iowa always seems to be able to do. Um, anything else? I mean, what uh, what kind of a team were they back then? I mean, they, they as you say, they were coached by Joe Paterno all the way back then in the early 70s. I mean, it seems like that tradition of um, their coaching philosophy has carried on throughout the years. Yeah. Um, when I was a freshman, we weren't eligible, and they played here at Iowa City, and they had Franco Harris and Lydell Mitchell, two both running backs, played for years in the 
NFL then, and Lydell Mitchell actually ended up being a teammate of mine for for five years, and so I, I, that that was fun to <laughs> get to know him. And um, anyway, they uh, they they at that time, I think our second game, or when we played there, they had a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, I, and his name kind of escapes me, John Capoletti or, yeah, yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a tri uh, the Heisman Trophy winner that year, I mm -hmm. believe. And uh, so they, they always had the good running game. <laughs> yeah. Learn from any lesson, every lesson. You know, it was a mistake. And, you know. My, well, today makes 23 years. 23 years of life, I've made plenty of mistakes. I'm sure I'm gonna make a lot more. But the key is acknowledging it and finding a way to be better. Well, that was Jamari Harris this week. He wanted to come out and make a statement about serving a two-game suspension for his involvement in the gambling charges. We're back right now on Eye on the Hawks with Dan Dickel as our guest this week. Dan, don't know if you want to share any of the mistakes that you would have made back when you were a college student, but going back to Jamari's return, it seems like right now he's just trying to make uh, ownership of his mistakes, and uh, that's about all you can do about it at this point. Yeah, and I admire that, and I think uh, it probably earned the respect of his uh, fellow teammates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of guys have talked about just his leadership in the film room, a guy who uh, just is out there and helping teach other guys. Um, I don't know if you, you can have any examples looking back in your day. I mean, things were just, again, a different game back then, but any examples that you can think of guys who were that kind of leader in the uh, either film room or in the training room that helped build guys up? Yeah, I um, and, and when I was at Iowa, obviously watching film was the old sixteen millimeter <laughs> uh, back and forth and the tape tearing and all of that stuff. Uh, a lot different than it is now. Uh, so you would just um, the, the people though that uh, you admired were the ones that you saw out on the field that worked hard, that uh, were always there doing what uh, they were supposed to be doing, and and so. You know, I think that's uh, still the main thing. Just how how do the uh, the players um, how do they work, and how do they relate to the other players? Are they teammates, or are they just about themselves? And I, uh, you always enjoyed the guys that were teammates who you know looked. Uh, for success for the team over themselves. Anybody specifically that sticks out for you? Maybe an upperclassman when you were a freshman or sophomore? Well, I uh, I really respected Ike White was a guy that was a year ahead of me, mm -hmm. and he played defensive end, and he got hurt when uh, my sophomore year, and that's when I got to step in and start playing, and yet he never ever he never got the position back. They moved him the next year, but. Uh, we always had a good relationship and yeah. it didn't you know bother him he he was uh very supportive and encouraging so i, I appreciate ike white yeah sure thing well one of the defensive guys is logan lee he's now been added as one of the team captains for saturday after luke lachey's injury now dan you were one of the iowa captains during that 1973 season can you express a little bit about what it must mean to logan to be named a captain for this week it's a real honor i mean you're representing not just uh your fellow players, but you're representing the, the university and uh, all of the fans and everyone. And uh, it's a great honor and I, I'm really happy for him. Yeah, I know you've maybe gotten to know Logan just a little bit. Can you speak to his character some and, and what he must mean to his teammates? 
Yeah, I'm sure that uh, he's well respected by his teammates. I uh, am fortunate every once in a while I get to go and uh, speak to the chapel service that they have uh, every week for the Iowa team. And uh, he was a guy that I got to meet there first, and he was the one who introduced me to the team. And so I, I just that little bit uh, with him, I thought this is a special guy. Sure. Well, now taking a closer look at Iowa's opponent this week, the strongest team on Iowa's schedule so far and likely the toughest team the Hawks will play in the regular season. Top 15 in the country in both scoring offense and defense. Weapons on both sides of the ball. Curtis Fader, he's going to join us now to give us a deeper dive on the seventh-ranked team in the country. Iowa's introduction to Big Ten play can't really get much tougher than playing against a team ranked seventh in the country in Penn State. This Nittany Lion offense will be this Hawkeye defense's not only biggest challenge, but biggest litmus test to see if this unit can hold up like the units of old. The big reason why is their new QB1, Drew Aller. After what feels like a decade of Sean Clifford, Aller has shown enough of his arms and legs to be a threat anywhere on the field. Already with 737 yards and four touchdowns this season, with two of Penn State's three opponents a power five school. That being said, Iowa's D, they don't seem to worry. Yeah, good. You can tell he's a natural uh, born leader, uh, just the way he communicates with his receivers, his O-line. Um, I mean, we're, we're going to try to make it extremely challenging as, uh, if we possibly can, but he's a good quarterback. And, uh, just trying to make him, trying to make things uh, uh, come a little bit harder for him this week. Big task for this defense is trying to get to Aller, but that is easier said than done with the Nittany Lions have Olu Fashanu on the roster. The 6'6", 315-pound junior left tackle is pro football focuses top tackle in the nation, and he is highly regarded as a future first-rounder. People say coaches ask players to run through a brick wall. Well, these Hawkeyes might just have to do that. But these Hawks are definitely up for the challenge. Oh, he is, uh, he's, again, big and he's willing to um, stay on the double teams as long as necessary. Okay. So just trying to hold your ground as much as possible, hold point and get knocked back on the guard so that uh, puts the tackle and the guard on different levels is going to be huge. They're a big O-line. They have uh, really good running backs, quarterbacks. They're just really solid all the way across. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting to be able to have the opportunity to go against guys like this and, and kind of test us to see where we're at too. The way the schedule currently looks for Iowa, this might be the only game the Hawkeyes are going to be underdogs, and a win in Happy Valley might turn some heads on what this Iowa team can accomplish going forward. Welcome back to Eye on the Hawks with our guest this week, Iowa Hawkeye, Baltimore Colts legend, Dan Dickel. Dan, before we get to our game predictions for the week, this week, you played a handful of seasons in the NFL with the Colts, a little bit with the Lions as well. You know what it takes to play at the highest level. Just speak a little bit about what it's going to take for a lot of these Iowa guys to make it to the NFL. What some of the work is that they're going to need to put in to get to that point? I think it's been proven that they uh, are coming from a system that really works. Iowa has so many players in the NFL now, and it's because they've learned how here at Iowa to do things uh, often in the, the way that the professionals do it. And so they have a great opportunity, and I'm sure they'll just keep filling those rosters with Iowa players as they keep, uh, because uh, they, they, they've learned it at Iowa. You made that jump. How much of that jump is due to talent, just like kind of God-given talent that you're given and born with versus work ethic, the time that you're going to put in in the weight room or on the field? Well, it's both, and it's not just physical. One thing I learned uh, in the pros was every year you would see guys come into camp that were super gifted athletes, 
but there was something missing, <laughs> whether just learning the system or just uh, not fully devoted. But, um, you know, you, you need to have the whole package. You need to mentally be able to handle it. You need to physically be able to handle it. And, and then you, you have to have a passion for what you're doing. Yeah. Well, Dan, we're going to get your opinion on the Iowa-Penn State game in a second. But first, let's pick some other games for this week. A Big 12 opener for Iowa State at home against Oklahoma State, a team that just lost to South Alabama at home. Mm-hmm. Cyclones are a favorite in spite of a loss to Ohio this last week. Dan, who do you like between Iowa State and the Cowboys? Well, I'm sure Coach Campbell has Iowa State's full attention this week, and I'm going to uh, root for the Iowa State team. Something you probably don't do very often, but <laughs> yeah. but I, I kind of like Iowa State in this game as well. Oklahoma State, I mean, both these teams are coming off a really surprising loss, mm-hmm. but I think Campbell's going to have Iowa State ready to respond. Uh, potentially the biggest game of the week, six-ranked Ohio State going to South Bend for a date with Number nine, Notre Dame. The Buckeyes are favorites right now. Uh, who do you like between Notre Dame and the Buckeyes? I don't like either of them, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to say Notre Dame is going to win this one. Feelings mutual across uh, much of our great state, I'm sure. Um, as much as I, it, it pains me sometimes to pick the Buckeyes, I do think they might have a little bit more talent in the tank over a team like Notre Dame. Uh, finally, Iowa, a two-touchdown underdog in Happy Valley Saturday on CBS2. Who wins this game, Dan, and why do you say so? I remember when Iowa won the one game. I think it was like six to four <laughs> there, and uh, I, 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 it's going to be a close game. But I, I can't vote against Iowa. I, I say ten to seven, Iowa. <laughs> that would be a Kirk Ferentz score for the ages. I'm sure he'd love to see a ten seven game. Before the season, uh, Mike, Mitch, and myself did some uh, predictions of what would happen in each game. I think I picked Penn State to win this one. Got to give them the advantage on their home. But Iowa does always seem to find a way to play well, both in Happy Valley and against Penn State when they're a top-10 mm-hmm. team. So it will be a close game. I, I would imagine that is going to be within those 14 <laughs> points, if that tells you anything. Well, that does it for week four of Eye on the Hawks. Every week we're going to be doing a live stream on YouTube reacting to the Iowa game. You can interact with us at noon on Sunday. Great to pair with some NFL football on TV. And you can follow along at Iowa's News Now on YouTube. We're going to send out the link from our Eye on the Hawks Twitter slash X account. We want to thank again Dan Dickel for joining us today. Dan, always a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you. All right. Thanks for joining us this week on Eye on the Hawks.